it's time now for us to, you know, face the reality of our existence by talking the financial pressures uh, that are heavy on most of our shoulders because this year has been tough and it's been extremely distressing when it comes to our personal finances. Uh, While there has been a decrease, uh, they say, in overdue balances for credit accounts by 12% in the past 12 months, consumers are still under significant pressure due to the increases of the interest rates. And beyond that, the impact of inflation, most of us of as South Africans who fall into the middle class category, category sorry, are worried about the cost of uncertainties that are associated with the price of food, the price of petrol, and the impact of load shedding. Uh, they are also worried uh, about the social uncertainties that are associated with the rise in violent crime, in substance abuse, in climate change, uh, which impacts water uh, shortages, which impacts uh, flooding. Brandon DeCock is Director of Storytelling at The Brand Map and Andrew Fulton, Director at 8020. Good morning to the both of you. Thank you so much for making the time. So, I mean, they're saying that there's a alarming trends in the foremost credit active South African customer segments. And maybe we, you know, we talk about those trends and what they look like this year. Brandon, let's start with you. Good morning. Good morning, Katie, and good morning, Andrew. I think we're both uh, stuck down here in the the Cape in the heat wave. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, Katie, we've been tracking what worries or what keeps people awake at night for the last 10 years. Um, you know, it's a very simple metric. We, we, in our piece of work area called Brand Map, we just ask a question, which of these things keep you awake at night? And there's a whole bunch of things that you can tick. Um, and for most of our, the last 10 years, the, the, the top things have been the same. It's crime, corruption, government incompetence. Hmm. You know, all of those, those voice notes you were listening to earlier, you can see. You said it's crime, corruption, and what? And government incompetence. Okay. Those, are the, those have always traditionally been the, like the top three. So crime, corruption, government incompetence, they're the things that touch all of our lives the whole time. You know, the, the, they're, what, they're what are perceived to hold us back. And what happened in the last year is that um, two new things joined the, the top ranks of our worries. One of them was rising food and energy costs that used to sit down in sort of uh, like seventh or eighth place as a worry. That's now the second biggest worry in people's lives. So wow. it now goes crime, and it's followed by rising cost, uh, rising food and energy costs, which is, yeah, I mean, it's a huge leap up. It's gone from like 38% of people ticking the box to about to more than half of people saying that they that they're worried about it. And then the second big one is um, is ESCOM and power shortages. So you know that. They were sitting down way halfway down the list of worries, like 32% of people ticking the box. And this year, it's left up to the fourth biggest worry we have. Um, it's on the same level as corruption and, and rising food and energy costs. So it feels like 2022 is the year when finally the, the, mid, the mid-market, you know, uh, however you want to describe it, we, we talk about the tax base, um, you know, people who are registered for tax and pay tax. Mm. The first year that that group of people has gone, yo, hang on a moment here. Like, <laughs> food, food and energy is out of control. Look at what it cost me to, to fill up my car. And then, obviously, ESCOM, it's the year when we felt an urgency. Like, we've had enough now. We, we realize it's, 
it's killing the economy, you know. Yeah. So these, uh, you know, uh, food prices that you're talking about, the petrol prices that you're talking about, they, what impact then are they having on, uh, let's say, credit? Because, you know, the money has to come somewhere for people to eat. The money has to come somewhere for people to travel or put uh, petrol in their cars. So what does that then end up doing for the credit market? Well, you know, the actual, I mean, we, 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 the only place we got to look for that is, is uh, obviously in our data, we ask people how they feel about debt and credit. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there's been a slight shift, but in this particular segment of the market, not nearly as bad as you think. Mm. You know, the, I think the, the, the middle class, if you've got a job, if you're paying tax, um, there's a good chance that you're quite resilient. You know what I mean? You, you, can, you still have consumer choices. You might not be able to buy as much as you did before, but you can mm. still buy stuff. Mm. I think the real pain is probably a little bit lower down. You know, it's, if you're earning between, say, five and 10,000 rand a month, um, that's where I think the real pain is. I think those people have had to borrow themselves into survival for the last couple of years. Wow. Um, you know, and that's a real pain point, you know. Um, uh, let, let's talk how you see the real pain point, Andrew Fulton, and, and where we place the middle class in South Africa now in terms of their earnings. Good morning. Good morning, KJ. Good morning, Brandon. Nice to, nice to be on a call with you. Um, mm-hmm. I am normally in Cape Town, but I've chosen to spend um, the holidays in Gauteng, where hey, energy, welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah welcome. Um, <laughs> the, the energy energy costs aren't so much of an issue because we only have electricity for about half the day up here. So um, <laughs> listen, listen. But I, I want to pause you there, Andrew. When you say that we have electricity for half the day, energy costs are not a big deal. They are a huge deal because I was looking at my bill, right, for electricity. I haven't had much electricity this month, like every other South African. But my bill doesn't change. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, that might be the case. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it it, it is an interesting eye opener being up here. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think what is important to do is just separate out different segments of the population because you know South Africa is is not a homogenous group of people. Mm. If, I mean, if you're making if you're making twenty thousand rand a month you're in the top 10%, if not 5% of earners in the country. So the picture is very different for those at the top of the pyramid to those at the bottom. Mm. And, and what this last year has shown us is, you know, in, inflation across the board has been extraordinarily challenging because at the, at the bottom level, you know, your transport costs have gone up by 50%. Your food costs have gone up by, by, by double digits. Um, you know, so that's where the pain is going to be. But if you're in the middle class and you've got this aspirational lifestyle where you're, you're getting into a mortgage, you're getting into a vehicle asset finance, you know, because of the 3.25% increase in, in the prime lending rate, um, you know, the, the example we keep speaking to is if, if I had a 25-year-old daughter, um, you know, last year in 2021 when interest rates were the lowest they'd been in a generation, I would have told her to buy a house. Mm. Um, and if she happened to have 1.5 million rand, she could have bought a, a one-bedroom uh, apartment in, in the City Bowl of Cape Town. Um, a year later, she's needing to find 3,100 extra rand per month just to hold on mm. to that small flat. Which means sometimes um, people end up then defaulting, Andrew. Uh, if a year later, a mere one year later, you need an extra 3,000 rand, because where does that extra 3,000 rand come from for your home loan? Exactly, exactly. Um, and and um, I guess, I guess in, in one way, you know, you're lucky in that perhaps you can get out of that home loan, you know, you can you can kind of sell it and, and then and then remove that that stress. At the bottom end of the market, 
you know, you've got no choice. You, you can't not eat. You can't not clothe mm-hmm. your children. So, yeah, um, we are noticing default rates uh, going up significantly in that middle class. We, we do a, a we, we have an index that we look at, which looks at loans newly in default in this quarter that kind of shows how what, what loan value has gone at default this quarter compared to last quarter. Mm. Um, and, and what we've seen in that, in, in home loans, has gone up that that default rate has gone up by nearly 20% uh in a year. So so yeah, it's it's you are seeing people defaulting on their on their on their homes and their car loans in this middle class segment. One of you has uh, your radio set on. Uh, either you move to a different room uh, so that, uh, you know, I don't get the feedback that I'm getting. But, uh, you know, while, while one, one of you moves, hopefully uh, the other one can can answer this question. Because from what I'm reading, there's this segment, the wealthy segment that they call the heavy hitters. <laughs> Excuse the pun. But apparently the heavy hitters are also starting to feel the pinch of these financial challenges uh, because uh, they've had to face, for example, a 10% increase in their home loan balances, and they themselves are moving into the default space over at least the last quarter. Yeah, that's that's sure. our segmentation. Um, just so so with those heavy hitters, what we've done with that is we've we've fused the credit bureau data to other data sets because the credit bureau of data just gives you number of loans, uh, the amounts outstanding, uh, income to, to uh, like, uh, default ratios. Um, so, so what we did is, is by fusing it to external data sets, you can kind of see what their family structure looks like, what media they consume, um, what else they buy. We then split, we did a segmentation of the adult population of South Africa. We created eight segments. Um, and in our credit stress report, we look at four segments that are uh, with money. So, so the mass credit market, which is your nurses, your, your teachers, the middle class, which is that sort of, we put it in at about eight to 30,000 personal income per month. Mm-hmm. And then the heavy hitters, as you mentioned, they're sort of 30,000 plus. But don't forget, you know, some of those earn a million rand a month. They're, they're, they're the wealthiest sort of. Did you four, say, four did you say a million rand a month? Well, it's, it's the top incomes of South Africa, and wow. there are certainly people in this country who make those sorts of salaries. But, <laughs> but yeah, what we have found with them as well, um, I mean, once again, that same example, if they, if they took out, say, you know, they, they came out of COVID relatively well because they, were not, they couldn't travel internationally. They were mm, spending less mm, on petrol. Mm, they're spending less on clothing. Perhaps they bought a second property or an investment property um, in the low-income rate, interest rate environment, and now they are experiencing that 30% increase in their installments. Um, so, so we noticed that, that that same default index we look at, like newly in default, that's gone up 10% for that segment in, in, in this quarter. So, so, yeah, they're also feeling the pinch. So, I mean, as we say, uh, the money for the food and the money for the petrol or travel has to come from somewhere. And if this middle class segment is uh, about 4.1 million adults, if we can gauge by the numbers that are uh, in front of me, and, uh, you know, about 75% of them are, are credit active, but as, you, as we're saying, are showing tremendous credit stress. What happens going forward? Because uh, there's been a steady increase in interest rates throughout the course of this year. So, Kenzie, I think it's gonna, uh, I, I want to just add a thing about that top piece of the pie. Like one, one of the, so, so when you try to work out who the, who's going to be credit stressed and who's going to be debt stressed, it's kind of important to get a total grip on what's happening in, the, in that part of the economy in terms of the growth of those segments, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So, so one of the interesting things about what Andrew's, um, his, his heavy hitter segmentation, if that starts at 70,000 rand personal income, right, growth, mm-hmm. um, that's a really interesting group of people. We've been, that's the, what we call those people the personal top enders. Mm. Um, and that group of people has grown from 2.1 million before COVID to 2.5 million now. Mm. In other words, there are almost 400,000 new people earning 30,000 rand a month or more than they were before COVID. Mm-hmm. That's according to the Treasury Department. Okay, mm-hmm. So that's the, you can't argue with that number. That is, a, that is the, the best single fact we have about the South African income economy. Yeah. And when you, when you look at the even wealthier groups, so people earning a million rand a year or more, okay, a million rand a year, a year or more, that group, we've added 40,000 of those people, sorry, 50,000 of those people, we've added since before COVID. So there's a group of people at the top of the economy who I'm still not, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's a group that we sort of have focused on, on most of our attention on for the last 10 years because we think they're really important. They're like the really strong engines that are dragging everything along. You know? mm-hmm. and, and they, I'm still not convinced that they're under that much pressure. I think that they've got so many choices in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, if they've, if they, if they have to sell a flat, they can sell a flat because they've probably got two. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what's important and, and where, the, where, the, where the work that people like Andrew and, and, and AB20 and, and Brandmap and ourselves, the work that we do is trying to understand where these lines are drawn. Because, you know, there's a big difference between earning 20,000 rand a month and 30,000. There's a big difference between having a family of one and a family of three. Mm. Um, so that's really where the important work is to be done, to, to understand like what are the real pressure points at what stage of life. You know, it's not all about income. It's not all about... Do we know, though, which segment uh, is the one that allowed for this growth, uh, this growth of movement between uh, 20,000 to 30,000, this over 400,000 people that Treasury saying, uh, you know, are, are, are at the beginning end of, of the heavy hitters. Is it a specific industry that grew them? Do we, do we know where they come from? Because COVID affected everybody. You know, my answer to that is is not not really. We don't, you know, we have a we have a suspicion that the tech sector is expanding mm. at an unbelievable rate in this country. Yes, you know, you, and and the tech sector is the one that benefited the most from COVID. Absolutely. Look mm. at your up in Joburg. Look at your look at your new north. You know that that area, the area from that sort of grow, ex- rapidly expla- expanding middle income. Um, kind of area between mm. four ways and, and uh, more of Africa. Mm. Now, the, 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 that kind of expansion doesn't happen without a new um, sector booming yeah. um, or new sectors. And I just have this feeling, it's a suspicion, we're, we're going to be trying to prove it as time goes on. But I think if you go back 20 years ago, the average company probably had one or two people in its IT department. Now you're going to have, you know, two people just looking after your network security. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay, gentlemen, um, I invited uh, our listeners to call and ask any questions that relate uh, to the discussion that we're having. And we have our first caller in um, Tata, Maduna, who wants to probably uh, ask a question or put a comment on the table. Good morning, Maduna. Uh, good morning, good morning, Katie, and to your guest. Mm. Katie, yesterday I made an analogy of a loaf of bread which has suddenly become an item in each and every household budget. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that said, KG, uh, okay, let me rephrase and ask your guest. Do we really have a middle class in this country? Why do I ask so? A person who is a salary away from poverty, can that person be classified as middle class? That's point number one. Point number two, I would also like to know as to whether is there any sustainability in those who call themselves middle class, whereas the dwindling tax base of six, six million people, only six million people uh, is paying or is being taxed to pay grants to 18 million people. I'll listen on the radio, KG. Thanks, Maduna. Do we even have a middle class, he asked. And if, if we do, you know, are we able to maintain and sustain it with the world going the way that it is and uh, we facing the kind of economy that we're facing in South Africa? Any one of you can take it. Andrew, you have a stab at what you think the middle class is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the really challenging things, particularly in South Africa, but globally, is, is how do you define the middle class? I mean, if you think about it, the, the, the best definition I've ever heard is, is, you know, most people think that the middle class is the class they're in because they know someone that makes more money than them and someone who makes less, <laughs> so they must be middle that's class. That's a great analogy. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, and, and that applies to everyone except for, say, Elon Musk or, or, or Warren uh-huh. Buffett. He's so, not, so, he's not you know, even the richest guy in the world anymore, by the way. There's someone yeah. richer than him now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a jockey position up there. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we, I mean, I, I think we, we did something with, uh, it was called the Unilever Institute uh, of, of Marketing uh, a couple of years back now, the Liberty Institute. They have done a lot of work in the in the middle class space, and we assisted them with the original in that, um, definition, which basically said you've got to have about sixteen thousand rand minimum to be there, and then one of two things: either a car, a house, um, a, a secretary education, or white collar job, and and that we kind of felt was a reasonable definition for for what is middle class because it is, as I've said before, more aspirational than than an income thing. Um, but but then that that came with a wide variety of different incomes. So you know we we in our middle class definition that that you've been reading, KG, like that was a statistical segmentation, and it was just the middle group, which turned out to be eight to thirty thousand. Which you know as 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 well as I can think defines a middle market, um, if not a middle class. So that's kind of how we've defined it. But but I mean the tax point is extraordinarily important. I mean I haven't looked at the numbers recently. I don't know if you, Brendan, have looked as well. But I mean last time I looked, it was a, it was a, less than two percent of South Africans are paying about a quarter of all, all our taxes. And when you look at our tax paying base, which I think is around five million, you know we're speaking about 150, 180 thousand people who are paying a quarter of all the taxes paid in this country, a personal tax. So yeah, I mean it's it's it is. That is a big challenge. It's a huge challenge. I think that it's fascinating to me that, uh, you know, the information I have uh, that comes from you guys on my hand says that, and and I think you just reiterated, that the same people that we call middle class, uh, first and and foremost, are also very largely driven around being aspirational beings or an Mm. aspirational segment. And for me, the most fascinating thing was to know that most of them don't even own a property. Uh, because yeah. it's it's not always achievable for them. Uh, yeah. in, instead, they opt to own a car, which yeah. sometimes well, they cannot afford to pay for. 
So I think, Casey, that's where the that's where the interesting the, the interesting thing with definitions comes in. I mean, Andrew's absolutely right that there is no there is no formal definition of middle class, right? There are there is a there are academics who have one version, we have our version. You know, you can make it whatever you want. I, I think a, a probably a more interesting way of looking at it to answer the question you just asked is how much choice do people have? Yes. Uh, you know, so relative to you know, I know some pretty wealthy people who have had a really, really tough run <laughs> for themselves, you know, relative to their own existence, because they just don't have the disposable income that they used to have. Now they've got to start selling off assets. So having disposable, having high levels of income and having disposable income are two very different things. Um, you know, the, the idea of the, of the tax base, you know, the, the, the figures, those figures that, that Andrew's just quoted are, are very close to, to true. You know, the, the, the personal tax base is 30, uh, 36% of all taxes collected. It's the biggest piece of the tax pie. And 40% of taxpayers pay like 80% of, of those taxes. It's a group of 7 million people in total. Um, but th- those people are living vastly different existences, right? So on the one end, you might have a single person um, with no family uh, earning 50,000 rand a month, and then at the same time you could have a, a family of five with uh, trying to feed six people. Do, do you know what I mean? It's a, that, yeah. uh, so it's not as simple. We we have to we have to find. I think we again. It's, this is the work that we do. That's why we use finding segmentation models and try to create a new language to understand things. But for me, the most important thing is how much choice do you have? You know, is it survival or do you actually have some money left to choose that you can make choices with at the end of the month? And I, um, I love the, the analogy of the word survival because either way, people have to find a way to survive, right? Uh, no matter what, what what surrounds them. And and my producer just says, you know, uh, it's it's quite interesting that the, this uh, statistic segment that 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 we're calling for the purposes of this discussion, middle class, uh, and, mm. and, and are sometimes a group of people who, uh, you know, don't even have a home loan or, 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 or even sometimes a vehicle that's financed. But in, in, in a way, some of them are also still controlled contributors to the base through an informal economy. And, and what huh. kind of a strain is the informal economy going through or what they call the hashtag working poor, uh, given that, you know, they, 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 they have a lack of what you can even say is social security. But what I'm saying is they also have to survive. They exist. They're there. They're not formalized. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I'll, I'll hand that over to Andrew because I tell you what, he's got a, um, a much better view of, of the, you know, the market lower down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my view of the world pretty much stops at what, what we, we have like a 10,000 rand household income level, um, after which I'm not that happy pretending to be an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, but, but the, I think what you're talking about, the informal market, all I'll say is that Without a, a strong and robust formal sector, there is no informal sector. Okay? So that's, that's why the work we've done is always focused on that, on the, the, the income earning at the top. The mm. money that circulates below that has to be created somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. But Jesus, I can only imagine that the people who do work down at the, in that informal sector, it must have been a heck of an interesting couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah do do, do you want to take knows. it, Andrew? 
Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can give a few pointers. I mean, one of the challenges with the informal market is, is it's, it's unmeasurable. You know, like the, the, it's, it's not, it's not formal. So, so, how do you actually measure that no. market? And, and it, it is massive. You know, there's, there's 30 million South Africans who make less than 4,000 rand a month, which, which is, you know, poverty line by anyone's definition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's been interesting because we've been, I've been interviewed a, a lot over the last two weeks to speak about the middle class and their plight. But in reality, that's, you know, let's say at the top end, 5 million people, um, that 30 million down at the bottom who are, who are suffering as much as anyone else with the lack of electricity and the lack of delivery in terms of government, um, it, it must be extraordinarily challenging. When you look at what's happened with inflation, um, you know, all those inflation markers are hitting them hard. You know, if, even if it's the price of petrol going up, that's transport, the price of food. I mean, when I last I looked at it, but, you know, you know, things like flour going up by 24 percent, mm. um, a loaf of brown bread that the man mentioned in a call earlier, 15 percent, um, you know, sunflower oil, 50 percent. Like th- these are really challenging um financial pressures to be put on people and what we've noticed i mean it's not necessarily informal market but one thing we have noticed is the massive drop in domestic workers i mean domestic workers used to be more than 1.1 million people in the economy um it's now getting down towards sort of lower 900,000 upper 800,000 and once again it's it's that middle class and the upper class that are saying can i really afford um several thousand a month to have somebody cleaning my house when i could do it myself yeah. And, and then that, that kind of trickle down, you know, if you think about how many mouths that, that one domestic worker is feeding, um, there, there's a massive impact every time one of those people loses their job. So, yeah, we're, it's, 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 what, what, it's not a... What does the future look like? And it's quite interesting to me that we have this conversation in the week that uh, Christmas is, uh, because every family, no matter their financial circumstances, wants to have a relatively decent Christmas, right? And I suppose it it varies what decent looks like depending on where you are in South Africa. But it's, it's clear in our conversation that... Everybody, because including these so-called heavy hitters, everybody is under some sort of enormous credit stress. And a lot of people, including the heavy hitters, are struggling to service their debt. We're in the festive season and we have a South African Reserve Bank that has increased interest rates all year this year. Some are saying they potentially are going to continue increasing will, yeah. into 2023. What does what picture does it paint for particularly the, the, the segment that is at the heart of our discussion, the so-called, I'm using now the word so-called, the so-called middle class? What does the future look like for them? I, I, from my side, Casey, I think that the I think the middle class is going to be. I, I think they they're going to survive. Mm. Uh, they are surviving, but but it's just a question of cutting down. You know, we we saw there are strange things at play. You know, the the um, we we saw a ten percent drop in sort of a lot of major industry in South Africa thanks to COVID and, and that, that number remains repeated. You know, it's like a little ten percent hit. Not fifty percent, but just like ten percent. So I think the middle this middle segment are going to be relatively resilient. But the the hope, um I mean without meaning to get overly political, but I mean the hope obviously is that is that there is a policy change because because nothing changes you know the the, the, the man on the street 
um, gets, gets affected by many, many things. But at the top of it all, it's a pretty fundamental policy issue. Mm. And if they don't change, nothing else changes. You know, it's, you can't, uh, my, my quote of, uh, that, that I keep throwing out is that it's hard to look at the bright side of life when you literally can't turn the lights on. Yeah. Um, you know, so we need, these, we need these people to be hopeful, to be optimistic, to want to spend money, to want to get the economy going again. And I do think that that, um, that mindset is very closely allied to a, a deep understanding of the impact that governmental policy has on the economy as a whole simple as that. So I, I think I that's got to change. I didn't know? ask about the age bracket of uh, the middle class group, uh, whether or not we have a general age bracket for them, because, uh, you know, of the population di- uh, uh, di- demographics in our country, we have a largely very young country. Yeah, well, uh, we've got the, um, we, we've certainly got one of the youngest industrialized countries. Our median age in South Africa at the moment is 27. Mm-hmm. 27 is the median age. And if you look at America, that's closer to 35, 36. If you look at a country like Norway or Japan, it's in the, in the low 40s. You know? So um, the, the youth quote, potential of the country is like either our greatest um, liability or it's our greatest asset. But, that if you look at the middle class right now, the the, the median age on a, on, of the middle class adult group is 38, right? So there are as many people under the age of 38 sitting in the middle market middle class as they are over the age of 38. That's a heck of a lot of young people. And young people are cool because they spend more, they do more, they eat more, they drink more. <laughs> you know what I mean? They live more. Um, older people just save up for sort of big big expensive things, but they don't contribute as much to a, a, a sort of a, a growing economy. The, um, those older people are the people that you call the comfortable uh, uh, retirees or the the retirees. And, and again, there's, I think, two types in uh, South Africa. There's the high income and an asset rich, uh, 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 the ones that are ex-professionals, uh, you know, uh, who are doing much better than the majority who are social grant recipients that are dependent again on that middle class segment. How are they doing, the retirees or the comfortable retirees? Yeah, that's, that's, that's our segmentation again. I mean, the, the stat I, I love to quote is, is you know, 25% of white people in this country are over the age of 65. Um, mm-hmm. So a very, very old white population. But obviously those are the people that made money, um, you know, during the apartheid years and are, and are, and are fairly well off. You know, they had, mm-hmm. they had access to great education. They had access to great jobs. Um, you know, so so they 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 have leaned into a fairly comfortable um, retirement. Um, when you ask that question about the age of the middle class, I mean, the last time we did that, once again, you know, it, it speaks to that lack of homogeneity in the South African population. If you if you look at the black middle class, you know, probably forty percent of them are under the age of thirty four. Yet for the white middle class, you know, about the same amount are over the age of fifty five. So it, it really depends on on which middle class you're looking at, and and. Um, well, you know, it, it might not be a great idea to kind of speak to race in that way. It, it, you know, race still is a very defining feature in this country. And, and will I mean, be for, it talks to inequality, which is a, a big mm-hmm. problem that we have in South Africa, where the most, uh, you know, uh, uh, unequal society in the world. Uh, so it, in many ways, it's a true reflection. We have a, a question from a caller before I quickly have to go to break. Uh, mm-hmm. Savage, his name is Savage. He's in Atridgeville. Good morning, Savage. 
Uh, morning, ma'am. How are you? I'm well, thank uh, you. And your guest, I, I, I've been trying to call earlier on, just in case. Uh, he made a, an example earlier on about the, the bond going up by about 3,000 rent, mm, mm. and which is my, my case in the last year. Mm. I bought a property last year, now it went up by about 3,400 rent. And I opted for debt review because my mathematics told me that for the next coming five years, my bond will be unaffected. Oh no, uh, uh, we lost that. Uh, I on sorry, say so that again. You say you say uh, you bought a property last year. It went up by three point something this month, and you opted for debt debt review because uh, because when I speak to them, clearly what, whatever the interest rate to start with, they're gonna lower my interest rate from something like eleven to seven eight point five, and it's gonna stay eight point five for the next seven five years as long as I'm under debt review. So is that my is my understanding correct? Uh, okay. Because I opted for that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you listen on the radio then as as they respond, Savage. Let me also take. Uh, I hope uh, you note that co- uh, that question, uh, both of you gentlemen. Piri in Alex, uh, you want to, <laughs> to talk black tax and its impact on on our daily life. And I hope uh, yes. uh, our uh, I think uh, our guests understand what black tax is. Hi, Piri. Mm. Hi, hi, KG. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, um, there is this notion of, of black tax uh, that uh, the middle class and the working class have to carry. Mm. Um, you know, I'm 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 a, a middle-aged guy here in Alex. Um, I come from a family of eight, and I'm the second youngest, and I've got uh, sisters and brothers that are not working. That so you have to I, help take care of. Yes, absolutely. I have to take care of. I have to, you know, the little that I get, I have to make sure that I I put something up for them, buy grocery, and also try to build a house for 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 my for my parents at home as well. So, it's it's tough, and obviously that puts a strain on on me as well. And but I mean also, you know, with that said, I think we need to to maybe just come up, try to come up with solutions as well. I'm, I'm looking at township economy, KG. I think uh, it's one of the, 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 the areas where, you know, if a lot of uh, um, effort can be put on, um, it can alleviate a lot of uh, problems that, uh, you know, the working class have or the middle class have because, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurial people in the townships. They just need to be... Uh, directed uh, accordingly, so they can be able to yeah. to to really uh, upskill and uh, see to it that, that they make a, yeah. a, a huge contribution in the economy as well. Thank you, Piri. You've made your point. Please apply your mind, gentlemen, to uh, the comments that have come through, and then when we come from break, uh, we can get your response. You're listening to SAFM. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We've been talking money, or the lack thereof. (laughs) We've been talking about uh, the financial pressures that uh, face South Africa's middle class, and we've been in this conversation with Brandon DeCock, who's a director of storytelling at the Brand Map, and Andrew Fulton, who's a director of uh, 8020. And what is becoming apparent as our discussion is, uh, you know, going on is that really there's two worlds in South Africa, uh, because there's a segment of this middle class, like uh, Piri just 
said that, uh, you know, uh, is uh, taking care of, uh, you know, uh, families, what they calling black tax. And he's talking about finding ways. Uh, remember earlier on we had the conversation about, you know, the informal economy, but finding ways to formalize the township economy so that, you know, they have a better chance of, uh, you know, thriving in the way the other middle class is thriving. Any one of you can comment first on what our callers have said. Mm. Uh, I'd have a stab at the, at the, you know, the, the, the black tax uh, concept is so interesting because it's a, for me, it's a, it's kind of like a microcosm of the, of that whole tax issue we were talking about earlier, that we simply live in a country that's massively unequal mm. and you're going to land up always in the same way that there's a tiny group of people, like 300,000 people who pay 40% of all personal tax, um, in the same way, in effect, it's the same system. Do you know what I mean? That, mm. that you've got the small group of people who are earning much more money and they're expected to fund the entire system downstream. And that effectively is, is, is the same mechanism that's involved in the, in the system of black tax. Um, it's, it's the idea that we have an unequal distribution and that people who have more must, are obligated to, to spread it out. You know, tax is an obligation. Um, so the only thing that cures that, 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 that doesn't get cured by, by simple means. You know what I mean? That, that's why we need economic growth in order to be able to increase the, sort of the general spread of wealth. Um, I, I, and I don't think it's more complicated than that. You know what I mean? I think, it's, I think that issue is simple. Um, the, the, the house interest rates, I, don't, I have no um, idea of. I can't even talk to that because I've never been able to work out how to afford a house myself. Um, I just don't know how people pay back the kind of interest rates, uh, you know, the bonds that are required at the moment to, to own a house. I'm a renter. I can't talk to that. But I think that the, I think the tax issue is quite simply, doesn't matter whether it's black tax, income tax, personal tax, that doesn't matter. The point is there are, there is too few people earning enough money to pay the taxes required. So we need, that's what the effective, uh, that's why economic stimulation and growth stimulation in the economy is so absolutely vital. We need more people earning a little bit more. We need more people earning a little bit more. Do you want to comment on our callers, Andrew? I I really do, yeah. I mean, the the one that you missed, uh, that first caller around the whole issue of debt review. Yes, yes. I have several degrees and I barely understand my mortgage statements, you know, and and so it's really important, (laughs) particularly considering the quality of our education in South Africa. Most people don't understand balloon payments. They don't understand variable interest rates. And you can go under debt review. There's a company that we have a huge amount of respect for called Debt Busters, which is just one of probably a hundred where you can call and they will help you with your debt. They'll help you understand it. They'll help you consolidate it. And they'll help you get out of some of that debt stress that you might have. So mm. I can't say enough that, that, that please like find someone that can help you with your finances and debt review is the first piece. The second piece around the call and the black tax. I mean, you know, Brandon mentioned the growth in the upper class. Um, unfortunately, what's happened at the lower levels is, I mean, it's hard to tell with the different um, uh, data sources, but we estimate about 4 million people have dropped down in income from 2016 to 2021, um, so pre- and post-COVID. And, Did you say and don't 4 forget, million? I mean, about 4 million, wow. and, and that's an estimate. That's an estimate. Don't forget, we were in a recession before COVID. So, yes, I mean, we yes. were already on the back foot, and then that hit. So, so you know, there's a lot of people that have dropped down, and, and, and that black tax is a big part of it because, you know, someone like myself, 
I was lucky enough to have um, parents who could have helped me with my education, and, and they didn't, but they could have probably helped me with a, a mortgage, down payment, something like that. Uh, you know, first-generational wealth in this country, which, which are mostly black, um, you know, they're, they're supporting people older than them, they're supporting people younger than them, they're supporting relatives, and they're about one paycheck away from defaulting on these loans that they're being able to live this lifestyle. So that's what we've seen is, is they just couldn't make those payments. They couldn't continue to support the, the, the broad range of, of, of dependencies they have. And that's what's pulled them down into sort of the lower, the lower income classes. So yeah, it's real. And, and that township economy for me to, to echo Brandon, if the government could just sort out what they need to sort out and that security education infrastructure, and then just get out of the way because South Africans are resilient they're they're hardworking. They can get things done, but they need light. They need security, and they need education. And, yeah. and and hopefully with Ramaphosa now coming out with a bit more strength, we can see some of those things maybe happening in the future. Um, you know, yeah, that's, you know, there's a lot of sub segments that we didn't talk about that uh, you know you broke down in uh, your research findings. Students, scholars, uh, what you call hustling males, uh, mothers of the nation. We didn't even uh, deal with the impact uh, of the lower middle class, which is mostly female, and 80% of, of of whom have retail store accounts. But I, I want us to round off our discussion because time is no longer uh, on our side about a way forward, uh, because the one thing we can uh, seemingly agree on is that people are distressed, people are not making enough money, uh, and uh, people are not able to service their debt. And, uh, you know, we haven't gotten out of the bad economy that we've been in. We are in the throes of it still, but we have to find a way forward uh, that can cushion all of us. And which one is that? And any one of you can go first. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I, I would I would just sound like a, a bit of a broken record, Kenji. I'm like, you know, I, I I believe from everything that I've been that I've read, from what I've listened to, I've I've seen, you know, I recently saw the recently um, departed CEO of ESCOM talking at a conference, and uh, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind whatsoever that that um, a ballpoint pen is pretty much all that's required to fundamentally change the future of South Africa. We, we have some major policy issues that can literally be changed overnight with, with, a, with a signature on a piece of paper. And until that happens, I think it's going to be a constant juggling and a struggle for, for everybody, for the rich, the poor, for everyone. We're going to continue to struggle um, in a country that, is, that has policy issues that prevent us from growing the way we need to. Um, and, and, and that's why that's why the moment we're in right now, you know, the, every time there's an election, every time these things come up, these are important decisions. Um, I, I can only say that the, the, the more people who take it, who, who have a sense of urgency, the better. So yeah. that, that's kind of what I think is cool about the, the research survey, the research results that we came up with this year. It seems like for the first time in years, there's a sense of real urgency in the, the middle class voting public. I don't know whether that's enough. I think it, it has to be, you know, it has to be felt that that's been urgency even lower down. Yeah. But, um, Andrew, but that's it. Andrew, do you want to chime in for 30 seconds? Because I have to quickly go to news, but do you want to take it? Yeah, just 30 seconds. My family left this country in the 60s thinking there was no future. I came back in the 90s really excited about what future it had. And when my parents come visit, they're, they're shocked at how well it's doing. The South Africans are resilient. They have the ability to get ahead. 
but but they need to they need to if this government's not delivering they need to find a different one you know it's 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 it's, it's criminal that it's only now they're putting a military in to protect the the the, the power infrastructure you know yeah that's what we need to do it's, it's urgent and we need to do it now um that's the mind thank you for affording me your hour uh, both of you enjoy Joburg Andrew and thank you Brandon enjoy Cape Town thank you to the both of you it's 11.02 it's time for the latest news Luanda Maome is standing by